Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. And of course, we are broadcasting from the Astroglide Studios. Got a great show planned for you. We always do. I like to think so. We're going to be talking about parenting, shifting the roles, making a little less gendered, and then later talking about kink. I know, we're ready to get our sex lives back. We're going to be stepping into it in the most robust way possible. Uh, a lot of controversy still going on about mask wearing in the CDC and what they said last week. And man, I, I liked this quote. Florida had the third highest per capita death rate in the U.S. last week. I don't love that, but listen to this. Texas, not far behind. It's why we have to keep wearing our masks. So I just want to remind everyone, I'm still wearing mine. We are not out of the woods. Um, also, Y'all, be kind, man. Employees are doing what they need to do. There are too many people filming. Uh, last week, we saw former child star Ricky Schroeder picking a fight with someone who's working the front door of a store. Look, these are paid employees. They have no power to decide the rules. They are literally doing their job. Uh, you're being a bully by picking on people that are in lower positions of power that can't really defend themselves. So if you have an issue with the mask wearing, go to corporate. Like, Put your money where your mouth is. You got an issue, go to corporate and deal with it. Um, talk to your friends that aren't wearing masks getting vaccinated, but don't pick on the employee working at a store just trying to do their job. It's kind of gross and it doesn't really speak well of you. So I'm kind of grossed out. There's a lot of these videos, uh, people continuing to pick fights like that. Burnout. Take a couple minutes to zero in on that. Look, it's both emotional, psychological, and physiological, right? Looking at a huge study, it said that about 44% of people often are saying they feel kind of burned out. So I uh, wanted to just quickly spend a minute checking in on uh, what do we need to do about it? Well, World, uh, excuse me, World Health Organization, the WHO, calls it a syndrome, defined it as feelings of energy depletion and exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or feelings of negative and cynical perspectives related to your job or reduced output. So they, they make it very job focused, which is kind of funky because burnout can happen within your social life, your family life, emotional labor. I mean, burnout can happen all around us. So experts say, myself included, first look at the physiological. Are you eating nutrient-dense food? We need the fuel required to get through the day. Um, we can be body positive, but I still wanna remind everyone that some foods have more nutrition than others and our bodies need the necessary energy to get through the day and to deal with stress. So we are wanting high quality sleep, nutritious foods, and a healthy movement of our bodies, right? Making sure you're getting enough sleep, the right quality of sleep. Also, are there things you're doing in your life, even things that you have value tied to? If your whole day is spent 
putting energy and focus into things that don't have purpose or meaning for you, it's going to lead to a burnout faster. So maybe it's time to kind of reorient around that if we can. Also, and I loved this one, a lot of the research was looking at the ways we choose to cope with burnout. Often, fix nothing and can sometimes even further deplete us. You know, we have only so many opportunities throughout the day to do things that are healing and nourishing. And again, as I always say, are your coping mechanisms rooted in self-care or not? Coping mechanisms are anything we use to deal with the day. Self-care are the positive enhancing versions of that. So things like, you know, junk food, alcohol, drugs, caffeine, social media, shopping, those things will sometimes make us feel more robust and give us what we need. Other times it's going to be just a poor form of coping that leaves us worse off or hasn't healed anything. Sometimes it's better to sit in it, really create necessary changes or find things that are actually rooted in self-care that actually enhance us, nourish us, make us feel better. So really check in on that. Um, Spirituality, higher purpose is really important for people. And then for those where none of that seems to work, therapy might be helpful. I mean, that's what I do with a lot of people is really saying, look, the things you center in your day, in your week, in your month, in your life aren't things that nourish you. They have no meaning. So of course it's exhausting. It's also really hard to be depleted by something that we don't value. So sometimes dealing with burnout, is about boundaries, saying no to some things, turning things down, doing less of things, having less availability. That's what I realized I needed to do. I needed to set boundaries. And so I've been working really hard on putting my mental health first. And whenever something comes across my desk, a request of any kind, I say, how's that gonna impact my mental health? How does that feel in my body to imagine taking that on, stepping into it or adding that to my schedule? Um, I've needed to reduce my workload. I've needed to reduce even my socialization, which was already pretty low because right now I've been very much in a very uh, self-reflective, introspective space. Um, but yeah, we gotta we gotta check in on all those dis- different systems in our lives. Um, burnout's rough, you know, especially within the context of COVID and the pandemic, right? Because everything was business as usual, and then blam, <laughs> literally a crisis, and still maintains itself for a lot of people. Um, so that's the way we kind of cope with that. And I guess one one final caveat to that, you know, again, just because something theoretically is healthy, just do know that there's a severe misuse of it. Some people are actually over training. They're working out too much. And what on paper working out, doing some cardio sounds good. Well, when you're taking it to extreme lengths, it actually starts to work against us and further burns us out instead of it actually being restorative. You know what I mean? So we got to check in on how we feel during and after specific activity because not everything is always going to have a positive impact on us, right? If our system's already depleted, often what we need is some pleasure and some rest, not not a workout. Um, all right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to be dealing with uh, parenting and kind of breaking outside those gender roles and then uh, sliding into some DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and we're talking about parenting roles. I love messing with gender norms. Listen, oh my God, I'm telling you, nothing makes individuals or a couple slide back into traditional gender roles faster than marriage and or also having a baby. Bam, slam, jam. So props to all the fathers that are at, staying at home. Love y'all. You have no idea how radical and revolutionary that is. Children, children will thrive from having that just as much as they would from having a mother at home. Please know that it's not that fathers aren't biologically wired to be caregivers. It's that we haven't given them the opportunities. It's that capitalism and toxic masculinity has determined that they have to be gone all day long at the office, get no paid for parental leave when they birth a child, even if it's the you know uterus owner birthing the child, a man still gets to be part of that process, but culturally we don't support that. And uh, not every man wants to go spend his life having you know someone else make money off his labor, AKA be an employee. So I love it when a man's like, I want to stay home with the kids. I love it when a woman's like, I want to go work. I love it when a woman's like, I don't want kids at all. I love it when two men want a kid. I love it when three women want to raise a kid together or two best friends. Kids need caregivers. It doesn't matter the gender. I can't say that enough. Kids don't need a mother and a father. They need caregivers. They actually need caregivers that aren't going to get them trapped in stereotypes. And that's what happens. You get married and have a kid and automatically the biological needs are put on a woman as though she magically knows how to parent. That's not true. If it was true, so many mothers wouldn't be worried about being good parents. There wouldn't be parenting trainings and manuals and books. That's a huge market because people don't know. We do need others to help us. And being a good parent means a lot more than what we see it as right now. We think that, you know, a dad shows up for a soccer game on a Saturday and he's called a good dad. No, you need to do better and you need to do more. But women and caregivers that are primary, you need to also let the secondary partner, as there, as it tends to be seen as, also step in and do things. So how do we start to create a shift in that? Well, let's look at a stat. I loved looking at these numbers. So this was a study done in 2021 um, on a, the state of motherhood. Ready for this one? This is a big study. 93%, 93% of mothers reported feeling burnt out, at least occasionally, based on their caregiving needs. Being the caregiver, 93%. So for 93% of mothers on the planet, they said, I can't do it the way it's being done. Uh, The expectations on me are too great. And yes, I need help and I'm tired. Okay, (laughs) that's huge. Not only... Do those that were surveyed not necessarily feel supported at home, which is a problem, but very few have a partner who takes the caregiving role seriously. Ready for this one? About 10% said that they had a partner who took their role as a caregiver seriously. 10%. The other 90 were like, hey, babe, it's all on you. See you later. I'm going to go, I don't know, golf, play sports, 
go to work. That's not fair to either gender because a lot of those fathers actually do want to be home or more involved, but they don't think they can or they don't know how to be. Or the mother wants him to be, but he doesn't want to be. It goes both ways. Sometimes they're not given the opportunity. Sometimes they don't even want the opportunity. So how do we do better? How do we push for different? Well, we're going to kind of break it down into some specifics, but you have to just let go of the way you've been trained. You have to let go of what you've been told is real. We all have the capacity to be a good caregiver, all of us, truly. It is not something that's just innate for a female or biologically built in. All animals have shown different capacities as well. It doesn't even matter other other way, but some people get into this whole nature. Well, in nature, well, in nature, you see a lot of wild things actually. <laughs> but point being, within humans, the studies are showing over and over that the way we're doing it now isn't working, that absent fathers is a problem, that kids do say they would have loved to have had a relationship with whatever caregivers were possible. And 93% of mothers are saying we're burnt out and over it. And of all of those mothers are saying only about 10% of their caregiver, of their uh, partners are actually stepping in and trying to be a caregiver. So this is a mental health issue for everyone involved, all parents and caregivers. It's a mental health issue for the child. There's a social level to this. So Start by just being honest. Do you want to be more of a part of your child's life? And if not, why? And if so, how? Is your partner blocking that? Is your lifestyle blocking that? Some fathers need to change their work hours. That's right. Or your job. Or you need to work less. Or you need to work differently. Or mothers need to hand over some responsibility or create opportunities for that to be able to happen. Right? We're going to, in the next segment, we're going to break down what are some of the key ways to see this. But I just wanted to sit with the idea that we need a change in consciousness. The way we've been doing it hasn't been working. And I'm not saying a, a child needs a mother and a father. I'm saying it needs a relationship with every caregiver that's possible, right? And if it has primary caregivers, wouldn't it be great if both got to also have a role, right? Um, we need to stop allowing and participating in this false binary and separation because it's not working. And we talk about things like postpartum depression um, and women feeling as though they're stressed out and their labor all day long isn't seen as valid. And you know, men are denied a relationship and denied the ability to find joy and pleasure in their life as a parent. Um, something I saw in my own father. He bought into the idea that his job was to just work, work, work and bring in as much money as possible. And my mom bought into the idea that her job was to just center her life around the kids. And it worked in some ways and it failed them both in other ways. My mom never stepped into her true capacities or her dreams and goals. And that will lead to issues down the road and some resentment and depression. My dad was denied the ability to be present, have a better relationship with his kids and only was able to try to do that work later in life. What a freaking bummer. And what is it rooted in? Nothing that meaningful, just gender norms. We make these assumptions. It's quite violent and problematic and robs everyone of having deeper, better relationships. Um, so when we come back, we're going to talk about, so, uh, what would we need to reflect on? What would we, what would we need to change to try to kind of shift that balance? Um, and that's a way for us to all examine ourselves and, uh, maybe just be better in the future. As always though, DMS are always open. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMS on our love at IG page. Um, after our next segment, we'll be, uh, gliding on into those bad boys and, uh, past episodes of love line as always over at wearechannelq.com, but, uh, more to come talking about parenting, listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about different ways to kind of shift 
expectations on parents, moving away from gender, living more in truth. What kind of parent do you want to be? What do you want your role to look like? What kind of closeness and involvement do you want to have? Everyone should get to ask that of themselves. Everyone should get to ask that of their partner and everyone should get to have their needs met. Like parents should sit down and talk about that. Are you having enough involvement? Do you want more time? Do you want less time? How is this feeling? That goes back to the ability to sit down and have difficult and transparent, intimate relationships. Where we say, how's this going? I say that about every couple, every couple months. Every couple should sit down and say, how the past couple months been? What do we need to change? What do we need to work on? How have I been as a partner? Do we wanna keep doing this? Parenting should be the same thing. How's this going? How do you feel about your role as a parent? Do you need less? Do you need more? How can we fix it? And we keep asking because the needs will change. One month it's this way, another month it's a different way because our lives are always in motion. There's so many other factors happening, but it should be balanced. But that doesn't mean it's 50-50. It might mean 100% you, 0% me for a month, and then 60-40, and then 70-30. That might be the balance you need at that time. But we need to be able to ask. We need to be able to request. So first off, what are your expectations? We, we need to be talking about that. If you're pregnant or you're going to have a child or whatever it is, you need to talk about that. Like, what do you expect of me as a parent? What do I, what do you, what do I expect of you? And, 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 and is that an appropriate expectation? Do I consent to that expectation? We often don't talk about expectations. And so you're, you're holding an expectation on your partner as to what kind of parent they'll be, never asked them, never checked in, just assumed often because of their gender, and then maybe got let down or got frustrated, but they never even consented to that expectation. Don't have an expectation on someone until you've told them what it is and they've said to you, yes, you can hold me to that, or no, you can't, and here's why. Right? That's called informed consent. That's called consent. That's that's called moving away from these assumptions, again, often rooted in gender, right? So you have to ask those questions because when we become a parent, often we think the traditional vision or how our parents did it or who knows, but you have to be able to talk about that stuff, right? Also, how can we then challenge those roles and assumptions, right? Um as we speak and, and, and talk about our own vision of how we want to be, sometimes the same as our parents our, our, or, or sometimes the opposite of our parents. Realizing your parents were always present, you want that as well. Or your parents weren't and you want to be because you missed your dad. You wish you had more of a relationship with your dad or your mother. And so you try to then create that. That's the thing. Early trauma has us repeat it or early trauma becomes something that we work consciously to avoid and not reenact. We never know if we're going to move towards it or away from it. But we want to be curious about our partner's expectations and our partner's history. What might they be wanting to recreate or not recreate? And so that comes back to the first point where we talk about expectations. We also want to ask, what kind of role do you want to have? But also, what kind of parenting style does your parents have? What elements of that do you want to take forward and step into? What elements do you want to not? What elements do you want to leave and move away from? That's part of that, right? That role definition. Because again, society teaches and reinforces and strengthens these traditional roles all the time in movies, in books, and conversations, right? So it just becomes automatic for us. And that's why a lot of these parenting books are so problematic because they make so many assumptions and they go along with problematic assumptions. They don't hold space for all different kinds of forms of caregiving. We now see fake breasts that can deliver milk so a father can also experience the breastfeeding experience. I love things like that. What a beautiful thing, right? but we have to be able to share how we feel. We have to be able to communicate what's working, what's not working, right? 
We're doing that one step at a time. Remember, as we step into these new roles, these new expectations, it might not be simple, especially if it's something we haven't had ourselves as a child. We're trying to step into being a better parent. We didn't have that modeled for us. We don't know what that's like. So we have to be given the time to slowly move into it, but also we have to be given the ability to fail a little bit, right? As we're trying. So you have to give your partners, they say, a little bit of grace, knowing that they might not know. You might not know. But they're learning. Parenting is something we're made ready for as it's happening. If all the preparation in the world isn't necessarily going to help because you don't know who that child's going to be. You don't, know, you don't know what their special needs might be. You don't know what parts of yourself might get triggered or brought up that you weren't expecting to have to encounter. So we're not going for the right way. It's like when we talk about relationships, you're looking for a good enough partner. You're trying to be a good enough parent. Not perfect, good enough. In fact, when you fail, they're often... They often become very powerful teaching lessons. When you disappoint, frustrate, or let your kid down, but yet you still love them and you heal and you repair and you apologize, you're teaching them that people that we love and that love us can love us and also still let us down. And we're taught how to do that repair work, how to give or accept an apology, how to relearn trust. So those powerful moments actually become beneficial, right? You also have to just trust some of your intuition. All genders have caregiving intuition. How do I know that? Because we know how to be good friends and good loved ones and good children or good, or, or good siblings. Like we know how to be good people. And that's all that really good caregiving is. How do I make this other person's needs something that's centered and acknowledged? And how do I make my presence in their life beneficial and a positive impact? But that's what I want everyone to say even when they're dating or married to someone or coming into someone's life as a friend. But we have to get away from these gender roles because it's not working for mothers and it's also not working for fathers, but more importantly, it's not working for the kids. Coming up next, we're gonna glide into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in our Loveline IG page or listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. All right, the DM says, hey, Dr. Chris, I know that you've kind of talked about it before. <laughs> I love that intro. Nonetheless, <laughs> what are some coping mechanisms you have in regards to the world opening up again? I feel like I have some extreme anxiety and now that the CDC says that people can stop wearing masks if they're fully vaccinated, that gives me anxiety over the potential for arguments. More quote unquote Karen moments. Ah uh, yes, <laughs> there's people that are battling public health and safety. Uh, here's my thoughts. The CDC's recommendations are not completely clean and pure. I do believe that there's some um, economics factored in there. Nonetheless, uh, it's an honor system. Do you trust that those that are not wearing masks are in fact vaccinated? Most of the vaccinated people I know, those that are willing to get vaccinated, will wear masks still because those are people that err on the side of safety. And some of the people that aren't wearing masks most likely are people that never really bought into all of that anyway. I will continue wearing my mask. I will continue to only be in enclosed spaces around people that are vaccinated or tested. I will not be around. Actually, let me start over. I won't be going to any any public things. I'm working from home still. I will not be returning to my office or anywhere that involves others around me that I don't have control or feel safe around. I'm not going out to restaurants. Uh, why? Because I care about my health and the health of others. I work with and know people that after both vaccinations have still become infected with COVID. I know of two cases close to me. Both got both vaccines because it's not 100%. 
I also don't want to be part of transmitting uh, it to someone else. There's a lot of reasons. So I'm glad the world's opening up in some ways, but I will go at my pace and you need to go at yours. If you still need to socially distance, work from home, wear a mask, well then my God, that's what you do. Your mental health and physical health are the most important thing. Nothing means more than that. And your friends and family members and loved ones need to understand that. People will pressure you. You know, you're vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. Okay, maybe. <laughs> and even if you are, you still might want to be thoughtful. Don't let people pressure you, bully you, or make you feel bad. And this is a reminder to listeners, don't pressure, bully, or make people feel bad if they're going at their own pace. Some people are more anxious than others. Um, I'm very anxious about it. I don't actually think it's anxious, anxiety. I think I'm very realistic about it, and other people are not anxious or thoughtful enough. Um, I know some people that never took it seriously. I know some people that through the duration of the pandemic were still going on dates, hooking up, traveling, and it was like... I don't think it's just if that's their comfort, so it is. Everything we're doing impacts others. So I think it's a lack of collective thinking and collective responsibility and shame on them. It bums me out. You're being more thoughtful, so I'm proud of you. We need more people to consider their impact on others, truly. It's not just all we have to do is look out for ourselves. We've talked about this a lot on the show. We are responsible for those around us and our neighbors and people in other countries. You know what I mean? Any violence we support, is our responsibility. The systems we, you know, maintain and strengthen and participate in are our responsibility, you know? So hang in there, make your needs known, set your boundaries, go at your own pace, only do what feels comfortable. There's no rush, right? You're not missing out on anything. And uh, the people that care about you and are healthy will respect that. They're not gonna push you beyond your limits or what you're comfortable or ready for, you know? Again, I have a lot of clients that are eager to see me in real time and get back to the office. Unfortunately, I'm following my own <laughs> mental needs. That's called being mental health center. That's the whole purpose of the show is always saying, how does this said invite or request impact my mental health and well-being? And that decides for you, maybe to the frustration or disappointment to those around you, but that's okay. We accept that. You know, that's part of the work of being mental health centered. You all, that's how you actually, that's actually how you know you're even doing it is others are disappointed and frustrated. Otherwise you might not really be doing it. You know what I mean? That's, that's the kicker about boundaries is we really know we're setting them when we see people frustrated and disappointed and we're, and we say, yeah, that's right. And they say, okay, I get it. Thank you for taking care of yourself. And we say, thank you. You know what I mean? I have a couple of really healthy friends and I love it when they say that they're like, man, that is not the answer I wanted, but thank you for taking care of yourself. And I say, thank you. And then we like move on and we laugh, you know, life goes on. There's more ahead. So anyway, lean into that. Um, coming up next, we're going to be talking about kink. We haven't talked about kink in a long time. I got to talk more about kink. Uh, it's part of mental health, sexual authenticity, sexual truth, sexual creativity. So when we come back, we'll be talking about that. And also DMs are always open, always open on our Loveline IG page. Follow us back, drop your DM in the DMs there, and we got answers for you. And we'll be closing out the show with some more of them. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back and we are recording from the Astroglide Studios. And now we're going to talk about kink. I know. I know. Why? Because we're all kink. We're all kinky. We're all kink. <laughs> we're all kinky. You know, the stats show what's sought out in uh, search terms is kinky stuff. 75 to 80% of it is uh, some really kinky creative stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can eroticize anything. 
sexual health is the same thing as mental health, which is stepping into our authenticity, right? Always with consent, always with compassion, uh, looking at how we're impacting self and others, but there's nothing wrong with being creative and diverse. In fact, our sexuality is an open system. We're always folding in new things as we have experiences. Um, we shouldn't have any shame in that. But, you know, again, we talk often about um, our shadow side, the parts of ourselves that we hide or have fear or shame about, the parts we try to disconnect from. And that's because as a child, we start getting raised towards this idealized self. Etiquette, gender training, we automatically get moved away because of our class, our race, all our, our religious upbringing, all these things start moving us away from truth and towards the idealized version that the world has for us, that our family has for us, that we have for ourselves. Sex becomes part of that. You know, the most important thing that we're told is to determine our sexual orientation. Are you gay or straight? Well, there's a thousand more options other than just those two, but that's be that becomes such a powerful determinant for who we are erotically, ignoring the nuances and specificities. It's far bigger. Telling someone you're gay or straight isn't really telling them much of anything. It, it, it still doesn't acknowledge how much more you need to know or how much more we know about ourselves. That, that is brushing the surface. And again, few people are ever able to really get any deeper because of kink shaming, because of slut shaming, because of made up diagnoses like sex addict and porn addict, because of our fear of toxic masculinity and sexism, right? And, and all these different things because of our body shape and size, all these things don't allow us to have the confidence or power to step into our true sexual self. So a lot of us wind up just constantly avoiding, avoiding with self or other. So the most powerful work I do in my office in helping people with their general self-confidence is helping them feel better about the things that sexually turn them on, finding healthy, better, boundaried ways to kind of step in and engage it, right? Like that's a really important part of who we are, um, being able to bring that forward. But I always tell people the most important thing that you have to remember, first off, you have to make sure that you're with a safe partner, right? Not everyone's in a relationship with someone who's mature enough mentally or also sexually to really have us share with them who we are, what we like, and what we're interested in, which is heartbreaking. Because if we can't share that with our romantic sexual partner, who are we supposed to share that part of ourselves with? What a disservice you do as a partner if you don't create a safe space to be told those elements. What a miss, you miss out on really learning about the core of who someone is and experiencing a lot of pleasure and you deny them their pleasure because of our own hangups, because we have a vision of who we think our partner is or who we need them to be. But we move away from truth when we do that. So start with yourself as always and first say, what kind of partner am I? Do I create a safe space for my partner to truly be who they are in all ways, but more importantly, sexually? Or do I apply a lot of limits? Because your limits limit them if you're monogamous, which is why more people want open relationships. They can have the ability to have multiple diverse creative sexual experiences. They want to hit those milestones. I, I value that. You're going to see more of that, more and more and more. Monogamy is on its way out. In all of our lifetimes, it'll still be pretty important and centered. But uh, down the road, many generations from now, I don't believe monogamy will exist. It won't be needed, or at least not in the ways we're doing it. Maybe more of a primary, but they'll be more poly, more open. But again, that, that uh, projecting is for a different segment. Um, but again, you have to be a safe partner and in a safe relationship. I work with people where they think they are, they want to be, and they make these disclosures, and the partner is made anxious, and uh, the relationship doesn't really get to move on or move forward. So unfortunately, you do have to assess the health of your partner really before you make those, dis those disclosures, because just disclosing isn't enough if it's done in a way where it's then used against you or weaponized. That can actually reinforce the shame that you might already have right? Um, it doesn't always dismantle it. So it's not just about sharing. I, even when people want to come out, I'm like, how safe is it to come out to that person in that context in any way, even if it's just about being gay or bi or pan or fluid or whatever we're talking about, 
Safety matters. That's called being trauma-informed. So people say, oh, it's always better to come out. No, it's not true. That's not being trauma-informed or psychologically minded. What's the context? Does this person who's making the disclosure feel empowered? Does the person who's gonna hear it, are they safe, right? Like all that matters and kink is the same way. It shouldn't have to be. And also just another reminder that just because you fantasize something about something or enjoy it in porn doesn't mean that you are want or really want to enact it in real time. Right, porn and fantasy are those safe places and spaces for us to really explore everything, everything, right? <clears throat> it's very honest. Our core erotic themes are the most honest part of ourselves, right? And would you wanna be in a relationship with someone who can take that to you? And if not, what's that about? Because if you're gonna be someone's sex partner, especially if you're gonna be monogamous, that is a sacred thing. Please realize the responsibility you're taking for someone's mental health and their body esteem and their sexual esteem. Don't take that lightly. Truly, I think we don't take that seriously enough. I think we just jump in and think we're gonna figure it out. But that is something you need to treat very vulnerably because the way our culture treats eroticism. Um, we're gonna take a little break and when we come back, I wanna really dive deeper into how do you move towards that kink? Um, how do you move towards even maybe trying to put a foot in there if it's something you're even just interested but unaware of? Um, it's a very sacred process. So we're gonna break that on down and then uh, later we'll close out the show with some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about mental health and sexual health is mental health. Mental health involves sexual health and wellness. And that means the ability to be in judgment-free zones with self and other. Mental health does not include being with people that shame you for who you are sexually, regardless of what it is. Mental health requires you to be empowered and confident and have really done the work to integrate in who you are sexually. So self and also the relationships are in matter. We're not just disclosing anything to anyone. We're making sure that these people are mature. That's what, that's what dating should be about is exploring sexuality with this person to determine their sexual health, how compassionate they are towards you and do they have empathy for your eroticism, erotic empathy? Are we compatible? Do we like the same kinds of sex at the same times in the same ways? We don't just, we don't just, without exploring that, step into a committed monogamous relationship. That's not healthy. That is not ideal. Don't think because you're attracted to them enough or love them enough that we're just going to figure it out. No, that is its own level of health and compatibility. You need to explore that and figure that out before you make any commitments. That's why you should be having a lot of sex as you're dating. Sex is part of the dating experience. It's healthy, right? So we're talking about kinks though, and that's all of us. We all are kinky. It's the rare person that's truly very vanilla, and there's nothing wrong with being vanilla, but it's the rare person that really likes that. The bulk of us are a little more diversified and creative than that in a multitude of ways, right? So we wanna be able to bring that self forward. We have to make sure, again, we're in a really honest, healthy relationship. Otherwise, we have to set boundaries and keep that to ourselves because someone's really gifting you with the gift and beauty of their authenticity when they tell you about what they're interested in and who they are sexually. So first, just try it with some talk. You know, make sure the partner's safe, but you start it by talking, by theorizing. Maybe maybe it's something you never intend to actually do in real time, but you like hypothesizing or discussing the possibility of. And it's a way to really step one foot towards. And like I said, just because you wanna fantasize about something with self or your partner doesn't mean you wanna do it, but it is a way to get as close to it as possible. And then maybe through that, you realize you do wanna take it further, or maybe not. But we don't wanna be afraid of the dirty talk or the fantasy. That's a really vulnerable moment. We don't wanna punish someone in that space for saying something that we didn't wanna hear that threatens us. It's not just about you and you feeling anxious around what they said. It's also about their mental health 
in, in how you respond to what they said. We are always responsible for the other person. We are. We are responsible for other people. It's not just about you. It's not just about keeping your side of the street clean. Go freaking help your neighbor keep their side clean too. Collective responsibility. It's called compassion. I'm pushing for that this year hard. We do have to care about how we impact others and the environment and animals. Let's be environmentally sound. Let's stop eating animals. Let's actually live from a center of compassion and care. But I don't wanna get off on that tangent. I'm gonna be bringing some of that material to you. I'm working on a new project around all that as well, but we'll get there. But talking is one of the safest, easiest ways to step in and fantasizing, right? And then if you guys are like, hey, look, we wanna try the basics, try the basics. You know what I mean? We get into the blindfolding, playing with sound, right? restraints, as I always say, don't get metal handcuffs and things like that. Get things with soft fabric so they don't chafe, they don't cut, they don't dig into our skin. Always make sure everyone understands what's gonna happen. Consent means informed consent, where you're saying yes, but you're aware of everything enough to be able to truly say yes. Like all of that's in there, right? Withholding orgasm, slowness. I mean, that's one of the most powerful things. When someone says, what's the quick, easy way to improve our sex life? I always say, do less and slow down and savor more. Pick one thing, stay with that one act for a long period of time, go very slow, go very sensual, and savor it. Because we always think it's about more, faster, harder. What can I buy? What can I do? I'll do it harder. I'll do it faster. It's like, no, slow, breathe, stay with it, sit with it. You know, one form of touch, one location on the body. That's what's so fascinating is we've internalized every element of capitalism, more, faster, harder, what's the outcome? Is this productive? Be optimal. That is not what these skills were meant to be used for. Yoga, Tantra, none of that was meant to be about faster, harder, more. It's about going in and slowing down, being with self, being with other. That's the best way to move towards kinkiness. Yes, you can add on all the bells and whistles, the blindfolds, the outfits, the ropes. I love that, dress up, watch some tutorials. Get consent, learn safer sex practices, have safe words, do your thing, play dress up, but don't miss out on the magic of what's available without all those bells and whistles, right? That is where the work needs to go because that is the most honest thing. Oftentimes these bells and whistles and all these over the top things, great, have fun, but sometimes it's yet another way to be, a, to be more disconnected from self or other or the opposite. Using a vibrator with your partner or them using it on you or you on them is an extension of you. You're amplifying what you can provide and humans can only provide so much and sometimes we want difference and shift and change, so that's okay too, but there's something beautiful with coming back to self, but I wanna wrap it all up in, dun da 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 care and compassion. This is someone expressing their honest self with you. Hold that, hold that with love and respect, that's important. I think all of this, mostly is driven by my clinical work where I work with people that have been really shamed and pathologized by their partner because their partner wasn't necessarily safe or comfortable when this person really stepped into eroticism with them, not knowing that if you can't share your true erotic self with your erotic partner, who, where are you supposed to go with that? Well, we need to go somewhere with it. And that's not in any way permission giving or rationalizing cheating, but it helps clarify why some people it starts to leak out in them in their DMs or as they're texting. They need a resource because sexual mirroring is needed. As children and as adults, almost every aspect of us gets mirrored. Our intelligence, our worth as a friend, our sexuality is often something that gets mirrored back with a glance or someone flirting with us, but our true eroticism is only left to those we're having sex with. And if you're in a committed relationship, it becomes your partner's job to do that 
You have nowhere else to be, have your sexual self and sexual body mirrored and validated. And that is an important part of mental health. Please don't think it's just sex. It doesn't matter at this point in our life or at our age. Yes, it does. That is part of our core sense of self. You cannot separate it out. It is your job as someone's erotic partner, especially if you're monogamous, to mirror that, to validate that, to participate in that. That is the commitment that's made. Honor that. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what to do if you're questioning your relationship. You know, relational imposter syndrome almost. Yeah, I know. Self-worth is in there. We'll talk about it. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. Alrighty, we are back. Have you guys ever heard of um, relational imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is interesting. It's, it's usually centered more around skill or ability. It's usually tied to artisticness, uh, artistic attributes or endeavors or professional where they think like they're going to find out I'm a fraud or I'm not the right one for this. But that can happen in relationships, right? Sometimes it's because of this horrible thing. I didn't create it. I don't make the rules, but we have market value, which is our culture has set up certain ideals and you have to look a certain way to be seen as attractive and, and of worth. And we all internalize that. A lot of us participate in that. Some of us are great about challenging that and ourselves and others because yes, you're attract, what you are attracted to is far bigger than what your ego tells you it is. That's why I'm always telling people, get rid of these ego lists. When in doubt, go find out. Give people a couple chances. But... Are you in a relationship with someone and you're like, uh-oh, I don't know if I'm good enough for this person. Are they good enough for me? Is this something I should stay in? Is this something I should leave? That, that like anxiety, but it's almost like a panic, right? So relational imposter syndrome occurs when someone feels not good enough or phony or thinks that like the relationship is, is, uh, is, a fr is, is fraudulent. Some people haven't been raised to believe they deserve good. Some people haven't been raised to be or socialized in a world that shows them that you actually can have good things and good things can remain good. You know, people will say, oh, it's only a matter of time before the other shoe falls or something bad happens. No, not always. See, that's the kicker. We believe relationships take a lot of work. They don't, they take some work, not a lot of work. We've seen too many people stay in bad and problematic relationships. And so we don't even have a sense of what it's supposed to look like. They can be good. They can remain always good. Yes, they'll have conflict, but in healthy relationships, that doesn't mean things are bad. We're not afraid of conflict. We step into it. We resolve it. We do it with love. All's well. Imagine that. But I think culturally, we've stayed too long. That's why I love all the divorces. If someone's divorcing, they, they should be divorcing. No one erroneously gets divorced. Generally, it's because they weren't a match. They're not happy anymore. Someone's done something wrong. Like That's a good sign. People should leave bad relationships. And I think we haven't even done the right kind of work as we enter or during them. It's a mess. That's why I wrote my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines, trying to help give people a better vision of sexuality and relationality so they can be healthy, so they can last longer, so we can actually be content within them. Imagine that, right? Uh, but those that have relational imposter syndrome feel like I'm afraid my relationship isn't good, it isn't right, I'm not a good partner. You have to recognize a couple key points. The number one is we always talk about good enough relationships. You just want it good enough. What's the impact it has on you and you on them? If they make your life better and you make their life better, we're good, at least neutral. But are, they should not make each other's lives harder. We've talked about that. But no relationship is perfect. So really be thoughtful about Asking yourself, am I truly expecting perfection? Because some people say I know better, but then they ideally do. And if there's an area where something lacks, they panic, but there's going to be lack. And that lack won't always be longstanding, or maybe it will, but that's okay. There will always be a site of work, a site of lack, an issue. Every relationship will come with those pieces. This is what it means to be with that person. And we can keep going from relationship to relationship, but if every time that piece shows up, we bounce, we're always going to be bouncing. 
at some point we stick around and we do that difficult work, right? It's normal to sometimes question relationships. That doesn't, don't make meaning out of that. Don't make meaning just because you've got questions. We've all got questions at times. Not all of us, but some of us do. It's okay to say, I wonder what this means. I wonder if this is okay. But bring that in, bring that up. It's okay to dialogue in some ways with your partner about that. But get away from the idea it's good or it's bad, right? And we often look to other people's relationships. We idealize them. We even idealize them on film and screen. We see these movie examples that aren't real. I even know, because the clinical work I do, I work with some public figures and tons of celebrities, and I, and I hear people idealizing them out in the world, and I'm working with them clinically, and I'm like, oh, if they only knew. Because everyone has issues and struggles. But we'll idealize some of these couples, thinking they're the perfect couple. No, babes, they all got work to do, all of them. Comparison will never help us in any area of our life, but especially not relationally. Even some of the most beloved couples that have been together for a long time that we all idealize and glamorize and think are perfect aren't. And I wish people would be more willing to talk about that. It's like parenting. More people saying parenting's hard. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes I hate it. That doesn't mean I'm a bad parent. That doesn't mean I don't love my child. But we have to be able to call out the shadow side of everything. We can't just always be living in toxic positivity because that throws other people off. They don't get to learn from us sharing the totality and truth of what's going on with us, right? We keep up this facade, then others think that 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 is what's happening or that is what's healthy or that is what's necessary. What happens then? Everyone's failed. You're not able to live in truth. We don't even understand what it looks like. So relational imposter syndrome or this idea of questioning everything might be an anxiety disorder, hold space for that. It might actually mean that the relationship is not good, hold space for that, or it just might mean you need to get out of your head and that good enough is good enough. You might be expecting them to meet every single need, not comfortable with the realization that it's okay to get some needs met by other people. Maybe your partner's not the most intellectual. Great. Thank God you have some intellectual friends or go make some. Your partner's job is not to be everything. You need to have a bigger life. That might mean you need friends. Or your partner doesn't like horror movies. Great. Have a horror movie buddy, right? You know what I mean? Like our partner doesn't need to be everything and it doesn't need to be perfect. I'll keep reminding you guys that, but it's that comparison. I think that usually tends to be the most toxic. We have an idea of how other people's relationships are. And again, as someone who's been doing this for decades, they aren't as pretty as you always think they are, but they hang in there and they do the work and they try to be good for each other. All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll be gliding into those DMs. So stick around and join us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, we're back, and uh, now it's time to glide into the DMs, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. Tonight's DM says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Daniela. I grew up with a very strong Mexican family with traditional beliefs. Recently, I've been experimenting sexually. That a girl, I love that. Everyone should do that. Push on your limits. Whatever you're and whoever you think you are sexually, try things that are in opposition to that. That's how we expand and grow. Uh, anyway, you said you were experimenting sexually. I love that for you. Keep doing it. And you feel like you might be attracted to both men and women. Awesome. When in doubt, try it out. You know what I mean? Actually, when in doubt, try it three times. First time, we're not so sure we're anxious. The second time, we're like, you know, showing up more, settling in. Third time, we can be for sure, you know, we got a little more certainty. I think everyone should explore being with all different gender expressions a few times. You might realize you're more sexually fluid than you think. Most of us actually are, but we buy into these labels and the limits of it. Well, you have more options than just telling them or breaking away. I, I never advise disclosing anything that you haven't fully gotten confidence in or worked through. And so you might not be telling them anything for a long time. Why, why would they need to know? Why would they need to know something that you're working on or working through, right? There's, there's nothing really for them to make of that. And uh, they might see you and treat you differently, you know? I also do know that some people very much feel one way when something's othered, right? And they feel distant from it. And they don't need to apply empathy, which is a bummer, but we, a lot of people think those ways. And then when they find out that something is closer or, you know, part of their family, you know, something associated with someone they love, readiness and willingness shows up. So how they think or feel about that topic, disconnected and unrelated to you, isn't necessarily how they would look at it or treat it when it is related to you. But it seems like you have a lot more work and journey to go on before you share anything. It'd be awesome if we could always let people in on our journey, that's intimacy, that's transparency, that's vulnerability. But what you're telling me, the risk is too high, especially if you realize I'm not into women. It was just something I wanted to fix, fix. It was just something I wanted to check out. Again, I want to live in a world where we can share that and it means nothing, um, but it does. So take your time. 
We're talking about fun. We're talking about pleasure. We're talking about a journey. It shouldn't be riddled with anxiety. And honestly, I want to live in a world where it doesn't matter what your family thinks, that their beliefs are their beliefs, their opinions are their opinions. You should not have to carry the burden of their lack of understanding. You are not responsible for their shame. You don't change your life or who you are in order to accommodate or center or prioritize or give, a sh- or give anything about, excuse me, their shame, their beliefs. You know what I mean? But often that's hard for us, right? We want our families to see us a certain way. We don't want to ever feel outside or rejected by that. So this is also a call to action to family members. Be better. You know, part of being a parent has to be that you accept that your child might not be what is most comfortable for you or what you want, and you'll love them anyway. And if not, you are not ready to be a parent. You will do damage and trauma to your child. All parents have to be open to their child stepping into careers that they're not comfortable with, gender identities that they're not comfortable with, sexual orientations that they're not comfortable with, dating people they don't like. It's not about you. It's about them. People should not have to reorient or change their life or who they are to make others comfortable. That's not what love is. That's not what love is. That's also not what parenthood is. That's not what family is, right? It's carving out and allowing the space for someone to be who they really are and to really know who someone is. So I want everyone to be better. But again, for you, be on your journey. Take some more time with it, right? And if you realize that there's something to be shared or disclosed, you share and disclose it with those that are safe, you know? It's rough stuff, man. That's why that's why I do this show, just to try to start being a part of that change and to educate people and to help them understand how to be better and how to show up differently. <clears throat> There's nothing more heartbreaking than someone who has to hide who they are from others. And that might be some people's lives where those around them aren't mature enough or healthy enough to be told elements of who they are. That is part of some people's lives, you know? All right, so that's that. That's our uh, DM. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs of our Loveline IG page. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. But uh, tomorrow we're going to be talking about attachment theory, why it's important for all of us, uh, and also what to do about it. So stick around and join us for that. Um, spend the rest of the night focusing on some joy and pleasure, right? A little bit of rest, tons of self-care. And uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. And you enjoy rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.